My name is Heather Porter, and I'd like to welcome you to my podcast, Animisma, All Things Inspirited. This podcast seeks to offer you a journey home, home to the wisdom of your ancestors, whose face you wear and whose knowing is encoded in your bones, home to your true self, who you were before the passage of this human life offered you its distractions or placed upon you its obligations, expectations and challenges, or perhaps deeply conditioned and wounded you. Animisma is a journey home to who you were born to be, a sovereign, complete child of the universe, that is, a whole, healthy, and well human. This journey home to our magnificent, beautiful true selves provides us with an opportunity to be at peace with whoever we are at this moment, in this time. It is an honorable endeavor and allows us to connect more presently and more deeply with the waters, lands, plants, spirits, and people we share space with. My heart hope is that as you join me on these journeys and explorations, your true self is gently revealed to you in all its grace and in revealing itself to you serves as your own soul compass, a guide providing you with an opportunity to discover what it feels like to walk deeply and beautifully aligned with the exquisite and resilient core of your being. It is my belief that the path of self-discovery is the path of integrity and therefore does not deny your shadow, your pain, or your hidden or wounded parts, but welcomes them forward in service of revealing to you the deepest work that needs to be addressed. I believe it is your birthright to be whole, complete, unburdened, and free. Many today feel we are living in a time of forgetting and a time of confusion, but there are still people who seek to remember, people who seek to share the sacred in our everyday lives, people who believe that everything around us is inspirited, and who seek to offer ways of connecting deeply and authentically with the untamed beauty and wildness of our hearts and the magnificence of our shared world. These people seek honorable connections to the lands they live on, the waters they swim in, and the winds that surround them. They seek to learn the wisdom of the myriad beings that we share this precious life with, and they seek to honor the wisdom of their ancestors, be they from bloodlines, that is blood relatives, spirit lines, that is the ancestry of your spirit or soul, or milk lines, that is the lines that have nourished you, though aren't related to you, such as chosen family, teachers, authors, step-parents, etc., I am one of those seekers, and animisma is my offering as a journey home to your own wise and magnificent heartlight, and I offer this as a bridge of authentic spiritual connection, offered with honor, and offered in peace. Welcome to animisma, all things inspirited. I'm thrilled that you're here. Welcome. Welcome to the ending and the beginning, the end of a year and the beginning of a year. Welcome to Samhain. The veil between the seen world of matter and the unseen world of spirit becomes thin, a perceived crack in the fabric of space-time. It is a time for communication with the ancestors, a time for divination, omens, portents, and seeking to understand the inner mysteries. It is a time to drift, dream, and vision. A time for inner journeys connecting to the wisdom within yourself. This is Samhain, a great and sacred, holy festival of fire.
a festival for the ancestors. This is the summer's end and the beginning of winter. It is the end and the beginning of the Celtic New Year, affirming rebirth in the midst of death and darkness. At Samhain, the Grain Mother becomes the crone, the wise woman, the death aspect of her trinity, until she is reborn as her virgin aspect with the rebirth of the sun at the winter solstice. The sun king is sacrificed back into the land, having swelled the seeds that now lie in the dark of the earth until the sun's return. He too becomes a death god and a shaman, able to travel the inner realms. Samhain is named after an Aryan lord of death, Samana, or Samavert, who, along with other pre-Christian male gods, was given the title the Grim Reaper, the Leveller, the Dark Lord, leader of ancestral ghosts, the judge of the dead. Sata, the great serpent, was an underground aspect of the sun found in ancient Egypt, the root of Satan, the angel of darkness. Pluto, Hades, Adonius, Saman, Samael, Cronus, Saturn, Hermes, Samanik were some of the old gods associated with death and which the church personified as evil and as the devil. The church created hell out of the Celtic underworld and every sadistic, cruel fantasy man could invent was assigned to it. The underworld and darkness became a place to fear and the Celtic understanding of its regenerative aspect became lost. Hell was previously a Norse queen of the underworld. Helenus and Hell was a uterine shrine, a sacred cave of rebirth deep within the earth. The dark regenerative power of the goddess was honoured throughout the Celtic and ancient world. Rhea Cronia, the female counterpart to Kronos, devoured time itself, returning to the dark, elemental, formless chaos before time. Kali, or Kali Ma, the dark mother of the Hindu temple, and the Hindu triple goddess, devoured her own children. Rhiannon, also known as the mother of time, also devoured her own children and rode her horse through the regions of the dark. Morgan le Fay, Morgan the Fate, Morrigan, the Queen of Phantoms, a death goddess, reappeared in the Arthurian legends as Morgan. Ceridwen, who kept the cauldron of rebirth and regeneration, also known as Ceridwen, was known as the grandmother of memory and the keeper of the ancestral gateway. The Kailach, the Black Mother, made the world. Scotland was once known as Caledonia, the land given by the Kailach, or Kale. Scotland came from Scotia, a Roman goddess known as the Dark Aphrodite, and known to the Celts as Satha, or Scythia. To the Scandinavians, she was known as Skadi, personified as an old woman, hag, or veiled one. Mana and Mara were ancient Roman goddesses whose ancestral spirits were called Manes and ruled the underworld. Maya was the Greek grandmother of magic, mother of Hermes, the enlightened one, who conducted the souls of the dead to the underworld. Hecate was one of the oldest goddesses in her crone aspect found in ancient Greece. She ruled heaven, earth, and the underworld. 
She ruled magic, omens, and prophecy, and she was known as Persephone, ruler of the underworld of ancient myth. Other goddesses of the underworld include Minerva, Athene, Sophia, and Medusa. The word crone may have come from Rhea Cronia, old mother time, but may also be linked to Coron, the carrion crow, which was sacred to the death goddesses. Black was the color she assumed before her re-emergence, as her white virgin aspect at the winter solstice. Samhain can be seen as a psychic return to the dark womb for regeneration and renewal. In the Middle Ages, this dark aspect of the goddess became an object of fear. She became queen of witches, queen of ghosts, black, evil, capable of bad magic and all manner of diabolical doings. Hag originally meant holy woman, wise woman, healer. Old women were originally revered for their wisdom as midwives and herbalists. But during the witch hunt years, they were tortured and killed in the most sadistic ways by the church. It was obviously important to the church to destroy these women who had previously held such power and respect. We cannot undo all the centuries of persecution and debasement of women that the church brought to our lands. But we can turn and acknowledge that it happened, try to understand it, and to work through our feelings about it. All over the world, patriarchal religions have forced the female to retreat, but true to the natural cycles of regeneration in the dark, women are now re-emerging rejuvenated, made new, strengthened, and changed. The early shamanic traditions embraced both sexes. The pagans and druids did not exclude women, but recognized the differences between their energy, power, and focus. These shamanic practices have never completely disappeared. They continue to change and develop. Some of these practices included consulting the runes, the tree Oham, and other divinatory systems, scrying, which is seeing visions in clear water, mirrors, or crystal balls, reading omens in the land, in clouds, in fire, from the appearance of animals or birds, clairvoyance, the interpretation of dreams and visions, and necromancy, consultation with the dead. Fear of magic brought about a great deal of superstition, and the psychic arts became seen as demonic. Fear of punishment and even death further inhibited their progress, but also true to the cyclic nature of regeneration in the darkness, many of the old traditions are re-emerging now, rejuvenated by their period in the dark. They are being understood in new ways, reinterpreted in the light of a new age, true expressions of a living tradition. I'm going to take a break for just one moment. I'm reading from Glennie Kindred's Sacred Earth Celebrations, and of all of the research I did for Samhain, I found Glennie's interpretations and sharing to be really beautiful and comprehensive. Another thing I'm noticing, I record in my home and my house is talking. And so if you're hearing any cracks or strange sounds, it's the movement of my house. And I just felt compelled to acknowledge it. Anyway, back to a sharing from Glennie. Darkness was important to the Celts. To them, it was as important as the light. 
darkness and death had power that they did not fear. Here at Samhain, as the earth is plunged into its darkest time of the year, they blessed the seeds whose germination in the dark would once again bring life when the sun returned. They communicated with their ancestors, believing deceased family members could visit their loved ones at this time of year when the veil between the worlds is thin. Places were laid at the table during the feast so that the recent dead could be with their families and friends. Samhain became the Christian All Souls Night, All Hallows Eve, Halloween, and All Souls Day of the 1st of November. It was thought that others could also slip through the gap in space-time. The fairy, the she, hobgoblins, elves, and other mischief-makers. This is the root of Halloween's mischief night. Later, the emissaries of the devil were also feared, along with evil ghosts and many horrors of hell, which were let loose on this night and which all good Christian folk were led to fear. Bonfires called Samnagan were lit on the hilltops, the tumuli and burial mounds of the communities passed. All the other fires in the community were put out and were then rekindled from the Samnagan. Later, each village or household had their own bonfires. The church may have brought the people away from the burial mounds, but Samhain customs continued to thrive. In Wales, Omens were read from white stones which were thrown into the ashes of the fire and then interpreted the next morning by the marks found there. Halloween apple games grew out of the Celtic belief in the apple as a holy, sacred fruit and a magical one, a means to immortality, death and rebirth. The western paradise of Avalon, known as Apple Land, was ruled by Morgan, Queen of the Dead. The fabled Isles of the Western Oceans, where the Greeks believed the golden apples of the Hesperides were were to be found, also bestowed immortality. In Celtic myths, the apples of the goddess, sometimes called Hell's apples, after the underworld goddess Helenus, signified a sacred marriage and a journey to the land of death and rebirth. Later, Hell's apples became the poison apples of Christian folklore that the quote-unquote wicked witch used to kill her victims. Cutting an apple transversely reveals the hidden five-pointed star in the core, the magic pentacle, sign of the dark mysteries of the goddess and protection. Apples continue to be used at Samhain for games and divination. Womb and tomb were closely linked in the Celtic mind, And this explains why so many tombs of this period and earlier had tunnel entrances leading to a dark inner chamber. Not only were they places where the important dead were buried, but also they are important centers of earth energy that can be used to enhance inner journeying. This is the best time of year for this, for all inner exploration, for meditating and for connecting to the spirit realms wherever you perceive them to be. By the halfway point of fall, we are surrounded by an ambient prescience of impending death, death and decline, death and disappearance. The sun seems to be dying as we approach the winter solstice six weeks away. Our world is steeped in deep shadows. The light decreases daily, 
dimming toward the shortest, darkest day of the year. And the year itself is reaching the end, drawing to a close, another cycle completing its course. How could we contemplate life without death? What could it ever mean? Death is a part of life. The life cycle includes death as light includes the shadows, as the day includes the night. The shadow of death offers us the insight to comprehend the vast yet vulnerable continuum of life. Understanding this, we are able to begin to imagine our own place in the eternal procession of the ages. We are reminded of all those who have preceded us and all those who will follow. Successions of generations, like the fruit of a tree, the generations bud, bloom, ripen, then fall, each in its own turn. And the death of each nurtures and informs the life of the next, linking the living and dead together in one unbroken chain. According to Dunahines, Samhain exposes a crease in time, a fissure between summer and winter, between the old year and the new. During this period, the dead have easy access to the living and are likely to pay a visit. In the Celtic lands, as the herds returned home to the warmth and security of the hearth in winter, so too must the ghosts of the dead want to be cheered by familiar surroundings and loved ones. Burial cans were opened to release dead souls and air out the interiors of their tombs. The old ones were offered sacrificed animals, entertained and fed in exchange for gifts of sweets from the underworld. In addition to the benign and beloved ghosts wandering about on Samhain, there were also innumerable fairies and goblins, strange spectres and evil spirits released into the dark by Lord Samhain, Lord of Death. Samhain was above all a fire festival, indomitable, it blazed and burned, undampened by the transparent overlay of Christianity. As in the Asiya, fires were lit in aid of the dying sun. Torches and lanterns made from turnips guided the friendly ghosts where they wanted to go, and great bonfires were set to ward off any uninvited spooks and unsavory spirits. The term bonfire comes from the word bonefire. And on a night like Samhain, the bones of the animals that had been sacrificed or harvested for the feast were burned together. There are countless ways to celebrate Samhain, from feasting with friends, to celebrating alone, conducting divination, walking around your community. Of all of the practices, crafts, activities I saw, one really struck me, and it was called Adopt an Ancestor. And so I'm going to read a small passage here on adopting an ancestor who has passed. Of course, you're always welcome to adopt a living ancestor and to volunteer with the elders of the community that you're living in. Most communities have old cemeteries in them. Some still get loving maintenance while others languish in neglect. This decay especially happens in rural cemeteries. On Samhain, perhaps you could host a solemn procession in a cemetery, in one that allows you to strew flowers. Go to a cemetery, perhaps with a friend or two, or if you have children, with your children, 
and look closely at the neglected grave sites. If it feels right for you, and it feels safe for you, perhaps consider tending to that grave. Clean off any leaves or debris, and if you happen to see any vandalism, speak to the cemetery keepers. When your cleanup is complete, consider giving a small offering of water to the soil of the grave. Before you leave, pause to address a prayer or a blessing to the gods or the land, asking that this soul be rested, be restful, and that the grave be honored. This is a gentle way of honoring all ancestors, especially those that time might have forgotten. I'd like to offer a series of prayers. At Samhain, life and death come together, and with this come many faces of death, goddesses of war, gods of funeral traditions, and crones that live in comfortable companionship with death. Samhain belongs to all of these gods and goddesses, and all of our ancestors, human and other than human. This prayer is to the Morrigan. Warrior woman, free and wild, stir memories of women of war, stir memories of women of death. We have forgotten these powers alongside forgetting our wombs. Bless the land. Show us where to reach deep into ourselves to find the point between temporary and eternal to draw power during our moments of struggle. Lady who transforms from raven to wolf to eel to heifer, show us what we must do to transform ourselves, to live according to truth and beyond petty rule. This prayer is a prayer to Psyche. Soul of humanity, woman of the hero's journey, in you lives all our hope for love, death, life, and immortality. In Eros lays the force that moves, the seed, the spark, the deepest joy. In you who labored under Aphrodite's sharpened eye, you eased by gentle Demeter, so in turn please ease our labors. We know through you that love endures through life beyond death, outside of memory. The following is an invocation to the crone. Queen of wisdom, queen of night, queen who bids when best to rest, when best to fight. Gaze with us into cauldron black. In the vapors, let us see the future. Let us heal the past. The following is a prayer to beloved departed elders. Hail matriarchs, hail patriarchs, come here, remember with us, remember yourselves as grandmothers, grandfathers, as mothers, fathers, as uncles, aunts, as sisters, brothers, as daughters, sons. We remember you with stories of warriors, of peacemakers, of healers, of teachers, of farmers, of city builders, of poets, of philosophers, of people we loved. 
In memory of you, dwell living feeling. This is your spark, eternal, an ember cherished, a light passed from one generation to the next. This is a prayer to witches gone before. The words we use to invoke, bemuse, have new twists on the tongue. But you beyond us know the words of old and what you had to do. Never mind our quibbles about right names and power. Guide us to the truth and wisdom of these hallowed magic hours. The names we choose, the quarreling views, are of very little matter in what you made, in the truth reframed. We know the magic stays the same. Samhain has a long history of fairy lore, alongside its legends of love and death. Diana Rochelle says that just as the veil thins between the living and dead, it also thins between the world of mortals and fairies. Some of these beings are mischievous with no real intention of harm. Some really, really do not like mortals and will eat you if you take a wrong step. Fairies do not think like humans, nor do they share human mortality. They can, however, communicate with us. Since you can't know what type of fairy you may come across, the following incantation might protect you from damage and convey peaceable intentions. This is an offering of peace to the she. Drink this whiskey, eat these herbs, have this milk, then go gently on your way. Good folk, we have no quarrels here. Please keep well, far from fear. Samhain is also a time associated with the Celtic hunter gods. Hunter gods are another form of the wild man, a recurring figure in Celtic myth associated with wild animals as well as male fertility and prowess from an era when the ability to hunt was essential for winter survival. These gods also featured as tribal and territorial guardians of the Iron Age Celts, partners to the Earth Goddess in her various forms. As territorial guardians and partners to the goddesses of the land, they oversee a period of testing in which the seeker must become worthy before they can descend into greater communion with the earth goddess and, like the seekers on the quest for the Holy Grail, come into a closer relationship with their own souls. This can especially be seen with the Welsh hunter god and psychopomp Gwyn Apnud, who is tasked with being the guardian of the Welsh underworld, Anwen meeting the deep place. As leader of the spectral wild hunt at this time, he guides the dead to the underworld and forces demons and all unquiet spirits away from the land of the living. He also competes with his summer counterpart, and you must forgive me for my Welsh pronunciation, Gwythir ab Gridwal, for the hand of sovereignty of the sovereignty goddess, Credelad, as part of an eternal love triangle between the land and the kings of summer and winter. At this time, the ghostly wild hunt is said to ride out. As well as being a guide to Anwen, he is also king of the Twilithteg, the fairies who are said to live beneath the lakes in the Welsh Black Mountains, as well as under Glastonbury Tor in Somerset. Gwyn means white, bright, or blessed, 
and luminescent. And he leads the way through the darkness of the underworld, of the winter and the night. On the wild hunt, Gwyn is accompanied by ancestral spirits and the fairy hosts to gather the spirits of the dead. As he guides them into the underworld, riding his white horse with the fairy hounds, yapping and howling across the skies, the hunt brings with it storms, magic and sudden change, from life to death and from death to life. It heralds the time when the wheel turns, fate is changed, and the old year dies, falling with the leaves on the trees. While fierce and terrible, the wild hunt is a mercy to those that have lost their way between the worlds, or who are stuck in patterns that have outgrown them, aiding both the living and dead to move forward when all else has failed. Its primal energy touches the soul like a lightning storm, ripping away illusions and stagnations. The dead, met by the ancestors, ride with Gwyn and the Wild Hunt, taking one last look at the mortal world before travelling with him to the underworld, Anwen, where they rest and become renewed by the Earth Goddess once again. I really appreciate Danu Forrest's sharing about the Wild Hunt. I've partaken of Wild Hunts, and they are indeed powerful and extraordinary, and a great mercy to any who are caught between the worlds. Danu goes on to say that the wild hunt thus provides comfort in the knowledge that after death your soul will not get lost on its way to the lands beyond, and that the underworld will regenerate you in the womb of the goddess. In other parts of the Celtic diaspora, the wild hunt is led by other gods, Herne, Odin, Hyrla, and even by the historical figure Sir Francis Drake. In this increasing darkness and cold, we must accept that winter is fast approaching and it's time to adjust to the changing season. In this time of death and decay, death of the old, there is knowledge within this and rebirth. It is a time of forced adjustments that once accepted reveal a new set of possibilities, a new phase, a new power to life. It is the right time to connect to root energy and for internalizing the creative life force. Like its counterpart, Bialtina, Samhain brings a magical, mystical energy that we can use to explore and understand ourselves better. Glennie Kindred says that this is the dark phase of the year's cycle when the mystery of transformation occurs. This process involves a descent and a death of something old in preparation for something new to be reborn. The descent into the underworld or otherworld can be understood as a journey into the unconscious and the spirit realms within each of us. Here we can find renewal through meditation, trance, rest, sleep, and by sacrificing our outer selves just for a while. The seeds of our ideas and future direction in life are incubated in our unconscious during the winter months, ready for rebirth in the spring. We can honor the cycle by being aware that each end and death of the old will bring opportunity for a new start as each beginning holds within it an end. This endless cycle of change is necessary, bringing renewal of cells, of our understanding, our ideas, and ourselves. 
it means there are always new opportunities to start again, to stay healthy. Many illnesses are rooted in stuck energy patterns, emotional congestion, and hanging on to the past. We've been taught to fear our inner world and to mistrust the information we may receive through our intuition and our connection to our own inherent inner wisdom. Glennie says, and I tend to agree, that many of our actions come from our subconscious thinking and belief patterns. We may not always be aware of the subtle, conditioned responses that may silently rule our lives. We can use the energy of the dark time of the year to explore these inner parts of ourselves, to face our fear of the dark mysteries and magic, and our deep, unwanted feelings that we may have buried deep inside ourselves. It is vitally important we turn and gently face our fears with courage and determination and find the potential that's hidden within them. From this courageous journey can come transformation, a balanced perspective, and rebirth in the age-old tradition of Samhain. It's a good time to turn and look at what you fear and where the roots of this may lie. By being open to your intuition and your wise self, new insights and realizations may be revealed. Use this time of rest to seek out the old patterns of thought or behavior that are not serving you well. Once revealed, you can choose to think and live in a different, well way. For those who are celebrating New Year at Samhain, I offer you this invocation to bless the New Year. Hail to the New Year. We cleanse you with water. We gift you with beer. We brighten you with fire. We cleanse you with air. Pass this brightness to all here that our efforts prove fertile in living good cheer. Boy our spirits, make the world bright. Greetings, new autumn, on this Samhain night. Blessed be the fire, blessed be the season, blessed be the final harvest, blessed be the ancestors, human and non-human alike. I wish you a safe, sacred, and sensational Samhain. Special thanks today to Glennie Kindred, Danu Forrest, Diana Rochelle, and Donna Heens. As we close today, I invite you as ever to close your eyes, make conscious your breath, and feel the strength of the earth beneath you. Whether you are sitting, standing, or lying down, whether you are outside or at the top of a high building, I invite you to meet and connect with the earth, and I humbly ask that you take a moment to hold space for an intentional, heart-forward acknowledgement of first peoples and spirits of the land. These are the ancestors of the spaces where we live, where we work. I invite you to speak the indigenous first peoples' names of the land where you currently reside. I humbly acknowledge that this land, the land that I currently live and work on, the land that holds me while I record this podcast about Celtic indigenous wisdom is land that holds structures of law and maintains knowledge through oral traditions which have been practiced for thousands of generations by the Ute, Arapaho and the Acheti Shakawan, or the Seven Council Fires. I honor their law and their laws. 
I honor their strength, their wisdom, their customs, and their cultures. I honor their ancestors and their living children, and I honor their spirits and animal allies. I honor their love of the great Mother Earth. I am sorry for all that has passed, and I live as your humble ally and human sister who is listening to you. I honor you. To you, my listener, wherever and whenever you are, whether you are here with me in 2020 or listening from the future, I honor the spirits of the land that you are on and the land that I am on, and I gratefully acknowledge all who come in spirit form to be of support, to provide guidance and wisdom, and to hold us while we connect with the spirit of the earth and her seasons through these beautiful festivals. Thank you. So in closing for season one of Animisma, may all that we do and say today and always be for the benefit of all beings. May we walk with integrity, honor, and grace. May we welcome our shadow forward in service of revealing to us all that needs tending as we walk in this human form. May we never forget the passage of our ancestors, human and otherwise, that brought us into being, and may we honor the wise and well ones for their guidance and support. May we honor the descendants, all of our kin, and may we commit ourselves to guide them, love them, and resurrect the wild beauty of our shared home, this precious planet Earth. May we live our lives in safety, offered in service, guided by spirit. Thank you so dearly for joining me today and for joining me for this first season of Animisma. I look forward to connecting with you for episode one of season two, Yule, with a new lens looking through the trees and plants that are celebrated with each of the seasons on the Wheel of the Year. You can learn more about this episode, the Celtic Wheel of the Year, and find resources at thepathofintegrity.com forward slash animisma. Animisma has been brought to life by the magical Stephanie Halligan. You can learn more about her work at stephhalligan.com. This episode is dedicated to my grandparents, Betty, Donald, Greg, and Evelyn. You are loved beyond measure. Happy Samhain.